spirituality has to do with mm, discovering a different paradigm of reality. Science, the world up to 499, the Newtonian paradigm has to do with form. It has to do with content. Spirituality has to do with context and not content. And it is a different paradigm. Now, the difficulty in society is, society is in the linear paradigm. To society, the Newtonian paradigm is what's real. That is traditional science. Science is in the low, well, in the 400s, 420, uh, 425 and up. Medicine is maybe around 430. Psychiatry is maybe five points higher. And, um, but it is still within the linear paradigm, which as we know from our own spiritual research and personal experience, is a very limited paradigm of reality. The spiritual dimension has to do with context and it is, first of all, unlimited, it is nonlinear, and it is touched by advanced theoretical physics who realizes that no further advance can be made in understanding the reality of the universe without understanding the nature of consciousness itself, which accounts for the conferences on science and consciousness which have occurred, in which I've spoken in a few in Tucson, in uh, New Mexico. <clears throat> there were a few, they had a few of them, and maybe three in a row at the University of Arizona. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and family, brothers and sisters of Los Angeles, the VOR is back in the building with another fire topic. Why did I play the clip of Dr. David R. Hawkins, the creator of the Consciousness Grid, the writer of several books on under the Veritas uh, publication uh, group. Uh, he's written, you know, Power Versus Force. You hear me, you know, mention that book quite often. Power Versus Force, the hidden uh, determinants of human behavior. And he was really breaking something down that's going to slide right into our topic tonight. He was talking about the linear, right, the world we live in, which is governed by Newtonian physics, right? Well, not anymore. More so governed by Einstein, Einsteinian physics uh, in terms of the linear thought process, Um and he was talking about the spiritual, which is nonlinear, right? The spiritual is connected to what the mystics and the gurus might call source or God or you know, suchness, you know? And how does that tie into tonight's topic? This topic was given to me by a young lady who uh, always listens to the show and not only listens, but actually participates in the conversation Attila Phillips out of Houston, because this is a big deal. This is a big deal. I had to show you guys that distinction between spirituality and that which is linear. See, and he, and he explained, our world is governed by the linear thought process. You do for me, I do for you. Duality, right? 
if you love me, then I'll love you. But you got to show me that you love me first, right? I mean, you hear all of these concepts, right? Like, whoever is the most in love in the relationship has the least amount of power. Have you guys heard that? Right? Whoever breaks up first tends to have more power than the one who was broken up with. That's the linear, right? I, I don't know if y'all ready for tonight. Are you appreciative for the negative experiences you've had in intimate relationships? The reason why I ask this question, because if we go back to Dr. David R. Hawking's clip, and he's talking about how the spiritual peace is infinite. There's no beginning. There's no end. In the Bible, they'll say that's alpha and omega. They'll say that's synonymous with God, right? The spiritual peace is dealing with the God peace. The linear peace is dealing with the societal or the familial or the transactional peace as it pertains to relationships. So... It's very interesting to me when we, you know, cover these types of topics. Are you appreciative for the negative experiences you've had in your intimate relationships? Well, David R. Hawkins alluded to the scientific approach when we get into theoretical physics, right? They talk about something called fine-tuning. Fine-tuning means the universe it's predicated on these universal constants. Einstein came up with these universal constants. And basically, if any one of these universal constants are misaligned to the smallest degree, life couldn't exist. So even theoretical physicists who refuse to just say God outright, they wouldn't say it. They wouldn't say Oh, uh, the universe was created by God. No, they'll say, well, it is implied that there is a, a, a designer. There is a fine-tuned universe that we live in, so finely tuned that it, it implies that there was a designer of this thing. And many religious folk, don't take anything that a scientist has to say, yet they will turn around and say something like this. Everything happens in divine order. The good, the bad, the unexpected, and the unfortunate. No matter what is in front of you, it is a part of your path. Follow, trust, believe, forgive, be grateful, and keep pushing. Right? A lot of people say these things, right? Huh. So if God can ultimately be responsible for your negative experiences, right, in relationship, should you be thankful and appreciative for what God put you through? Should you be thankful and appreciative for the person that God put in your path that upset you, that betrayed you, that disappointed you, that let you down, that hurt your heart. It's heavy, right? Because guess what? 
Huh? Oh, oh, I know. The chat room is on fire with it. Yes. Tonight's topic. Are you appreciative for the negative experiences you've had in your intimate relationship? Appreciation. The forbidden fruit of the unrepentant. In what ways do you let your partner know they are appreciated? What role do love languages play in showing appreciation within a relationship? Huh? How does your attachment style impact your ability and willingness to accept appreciation from your partner? What does a spirit of offense? Oh, my goodness. Wait a minute. Hold on. The spirit of offense. How does a how does a spirit of offense affect your ability to demonstrate appreciation towards a partner who has wronged you. You got the spirit of offense. They hurt you. And now they want to show that they really do appreciate you. But that spirit of offense doesn't want to hear it. 1-800-920-1580. Can you sabotage the ability to receive and give genuine appreciation due to a faulty perception of your partner's humanity? Heavy questions. How can the lack of appreciation in a relationship lead to resentment and dissatisfaction? What are some practical ways to cultivate a culture of appreciation within your relationship? How does the fear of vulnerability hinder the expression and reception of appreciation? Are these questions deep enough? 1-800-920-1580. You already know what it is. This is a non-judgmental environment and it is a national conversation. I want to talk to you. Do you feel appreciated in your relationships? And while you're seeking to receive appreciation, have you mastered the art of giving it? Or are you an appreciation loner? I'm going to show you some appreciation, but it is on loan contingent upon you paying me back in appreciation of me. 1-800-920-1580. Come on. I want to hear it. I want to hear from y'all. How can practicing gratitude enhance the experience of appreciation in relationship? When I come forward, we're going to get deeper and deeper and deeper into this topic. And the callers are going to get busy as well. Relationships thrive on appreciation. And when couples no longer appreciate each other, they begin putting up walls. They begin feeling isolated. They lash out. They're angry. They feel resentful and taken advantage of. If you feel like you're in a relationship that is suffering from a lack of appreciation or appreciation deficit disorder, there are things you can do that don't require therapy. In fact, these things, if you practice them every day, you'll start restoring the appreciation within the relationship and both of you are going to get along better. The first thing is, remember, a good relationship is built on servitude. That means you have to take care of your partner. Do little things. Take care of them. Make sure that your existence makes their life better. Secondly, are you telling everybody around you something great about your partner? Say nice things, what you appreciate about your partner in front of their kids, 
family and friends. When your partner hears that, they know that all their labor is not in vain. How about bringing home a special meal or cooking a dinner or make, maybe taking them out on a date? Do something that makes your partner feel special once in a while. That also lets them know that you're seeing all the things they do and contribute to their life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's about to go down the VOR, LA Superstar Radio host. You already know what it is. Are you appreciative for the negative experiences you've had in intimate relationships? I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, just like all of the other essential qualities in relationships, appreciation is conditional. It's, 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 it's linear. We have linear appreciation. I appreciate you so long as you give me what I want. So long as you don't hurt me. So long as you don't uh, betray me or disrespect me. or, In other words, you cannot be a human being in this relationship. L listen to me now. I know, I know you guys, listen, I know you guys don't know how to do this. But this is how you grow up spiritually. Nobody's talking about this, but this is how you do it. So you hear me say Krishnamurti damn near every show. You know why? Because that guy has said some of the most profound things I've ever heard in my life. One of his most powerful quotes is, you know what, the, you know what my secret is? I don't mind what happens. Most people are not in relationships like that. They mind. You know what they mind? They mind everything that happens that's not in alignment with their desires and expectations. See, when you're dealing with a work in progress, you're going to have to have grace and space for the flawed aspect of being a human being. Look at what's happening in the media. Everybody throwing their relationships away. Everybody. There was a time when we tried to work it out. I believe psychologically we should be more advanced than we are today, spiritually. We should be more advanced, but we're not. Let's look at the etymology of the word appreciation. To esteem or value highly. If somebody is not showing you appreciation, it's because they don't value you everything has a linear price on it uh does this relationship cost me too much peace which for most people n most people never experience peace peace is a level of high consciousness that very few people are able to reach what people are confusing with peace is really quiet don't talk to me about it. I don't want to deal with it. Let me sweep it under the rug. I don't I don't want to have to, you know, go into it. You understand? <laughs> to esteem or value highly. Right? So you get a condo over on the west side. You bought it in 21. What does it do? It appreciates in value. Huh? How many of your relationships 
are appreciating versus depreciating. You depreciate, right, your relationships by only focusing on what you can get from your partner. When was the last time you appreciated or you showed appreciation for your partner's shadow? Let that sit in your spirit and merit. When was the last time you showed appreciation for your partner's shadow? Their inner child. Their unhealed trauma. Huh? Well, I know you probably haven't done it because you don't do it to yourself. You don't do it for yourself. You avoid your shadow, so there's really hardly no way you're going to be able to appreciate the darkness of your partner. Lopsided relationship having full, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. I digress. <laughs> Appreciation is a powerful yet often overlooked aspect of intimate relationships. It is the forbidden fruit that many fail to understand and embrace. On tonight's show, we will explore the multifaceted nature of appreciation and its impact on our intimate relationships. We will delve into the ways in which partners can express appreciation, the role of love languages, the influence of attachment styles, the effect of uh, a spirit of offense, uh, the perception of uh, partners' humanity, the consequences of a lack of appreciation, practical ways to cultivate a culture of appreciation, the hindrance of fear of vulnerability, the connection between appreciation and infidelity, and the enhancement of appreciation through gratitude. We're going to talk about all of these things. And I want to hear from you. This is a non-judgmental space. This is a national conversation that all are invited to participate in. Let me get Pygmy Bree in here real quick. Pygmy, let me tell you something. You're on the line right now, but I'm going to have to carry you over. So get your thought going. And when I interrupt, just hold tight because I'm going to carry you over, okay? Pygmy. Pygmy Bree. Yes. Yes. Talk to yes. me. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, wait, as a matter of fact, I'm going to have to hold you over right now because yeah, we're, we're, we're so up against the clock. Uh, just hold tight because I know you're ready to cook. The phone lines are already flashing from all over the country. When we come forward, the voice of reason shall continue this bonfire. I wanted to make this video about the nine signs that you are in a relationship where your partner does not respect you. When we get into a relationship, it gets really easy to dismiss the little things that can happen as, ah, it's just a one-off. Oh, it's no big deal. It's not going to happen again. I want to point these nine behaviors that your partner may be engaging in and flag them 
because they are a real issue that cuts to the core of what creates a healthy and a long-lasting partnership. Perhaps that's what we should do is start with kind of what is the foundation of a healthy and a long-lasting partnership? Well, there are four kind of categories that I think about when I think about a healthy and a long-lasting partnership. And it's awareness, it's how you deal with conflict, it is the values that you have and that your partner has, and it's also the connection that you and your partner not only have, but how you are both showing up to strengthen it. And so awareness is both awareness of yourself and awareness of what your partner needs in a relationship. And in order to have self-awareness and awareness of what your partner needs, you've got to have a level of understanding about yourself. And you also have to have an interest in learning and being influenced by your partner and what their needs are. And what you'll notice is of the nine things that I'm going to flag for you, like if you see this shit, it is going to attack one of these pillars of a healthy relationship. The second category was conflict. Now, it may surprise you that I'm labeling conflict as one of the categories of what makes a relationship healthy. Lord, have mercy, the voice of reason. Oh, Lord, we done came full circle after coming forward. Here we go. We got callers on the line. Let's get them in here. Pygmy Bree, get back in here. What are your thoughts on unappreciative partners? Ken, let me just ask the question. Are you appreciative for the negative experiences you've had in intimate relationships? Talk to me. I'm 100% grateful. I thank God every day for my unfortunate, unpleasant experiences. They brought out everything in me that prepared me for the positive relationship that I have now. Mm. I would have never, ever, ever been equipped to have a good man if I hadn't been through all those bad experiences. Mm. Those bad experiences highlighted so many things that would have eventually became problems if I hadn't have dealt with it through badness. And I thank God that... God blessed me with these negative experiences in my youth while I was coming up, while I was building that relationship foundation. So I'm 100% thankful for it. Wow. Do you appreciate the people that brought those negative experiences to you? I do. And I also hope they feel the same way about me. Mm. Um, Yeah, it's just like I honestly have always been under the belief that uh, most of us walking the earth are good. And it's like, it's kind of just like everyone's going in a circle, but maybe you may be good to a person in this relationship, then the other person is bad to you. So then you get hurt. So then you walk into the next relationship being bad. And a lot of times that person's good. So it's just like, you're, it, like I find myself, at least I was always flip flopping back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd be good. I'd be faithful. I'd be all these things. And then the person crapped on me. So then I'd be bad, and then that person would be good, mm-hmm. and vice versa. So it's just like sometimes you have to, you just have to align at the same time, mm. if that makes sense. No, I get it. I get it. But how do you time alignment, mutual alignment? That's heavy. The only way you can time it is if you have came in healed. I mean, Ooh, come on. You, yeah, I mean, a lot of us are walking around, 
you know, we jump from relationship to relationship because we don't realize we are, we are the problem. So it's easy to jump around when you think the other pe- person is the problem. And it's like when you take the time to heal and the other person is taking their time to heal, that's the only way y'all have a chance to be mutually aligned. Mm, heavy stuff. Pygmy Bree, guess what you just did? Lazy in the hazy. If you want to bring your city in the building, all you got to do is call me 1-800-920-1580. Expressing appreciation is crucial to maintaining any healthy and fulfilling relationship. Okay, Uh, simple gestures like saying thank you, expressing gratitude for specific actions and acknowledging your partner's efforts can go a long way in making them feel valued and loved. Acts of service, uh, quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, and uh, receiving gifts are love languages that can be used to express appreciation in ways that resonate with your partner. Let me just say this too. Don't compare what your partner does for you with what your inner circle of friends or family may do for you. You understand? Oftentimes, you rip the roots of appreciation and gratitude up out of the spiritual soil by saying, yeah, you supported me, but I had a group of other people supporting me too. Right. Or it's not like you're the only support that I had. Don't do that. Right. Uh, If if you have somebody who loves you enough to support you through something, don't compare what they've done for you to that. That someone else has done for you. Don't do that. Don't do that. All right. Just accept the appreciation accept the or accept the support and show appreciation for it be thankful be grateful for it get to your phone lines 1-800-920-1580 the author of the topic atala from houston texas get in here uncle zoe evening how are you i'm alive and well what up what up what up what up what up what are your thoughts on tonight's topic Yes, sir. Okay. So when I made this topic, I was kind of thinking about gratitude, actually. And um, if you have gratitude for the little things in your life, you reap more gratitude, right? So I felt appreciation is similar to that in regards to relationships. Um, And I think one thing that I wanted to really touch on was the question about sabotaging your ability to receive appreciation mm-hmm. um, based on your perception of your partner, their, their humanity. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because I am big on that. I think that I didn't really begin to understand what that actually looks like in the ways in which you can nitpick to death your partner um, and sabotage the situation um, so that you basically don't have to be vulnerable. You don't have to show that appreciation or get to that level of truth because you nitpicked them to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once I started seeing my own humanity, then I said, okay, well, I can, I can do this for someone else. Um, but I think when we're talking about forbidden fruits, right, if you are someone who sees that you don't think you can do any wrong, you will not be able to give appreciation and you will not receive appreciation. 
And so I think that when people say that they've never been appreciated, I think you really need to take a minute and look at the ways in which you treat those who've done even the littlest things for you, Uh right? Do you appreciate yourself? Because you didn't wake yourself up, right? Are um, Are you active in your own life in terms of the things that you're receiving? Are you noticing those things? Are you uh, taking note of even the smallest gifts that you receive every day and being grateful for them? So I think it even stretches beyond your relationships Mm -hmm. and more into how you see yourself ultimately. Mm. I love it. And I'm so thankful and grateful and appreciative of you cultivating this topic for us tonight. You are a major contributor to the success and the flow and the vibe and the energy of this show. So guess what you just did? All right, Houston in the building. H-Town is in the building. If you want to bring your city into this deep conversation, all you got to do is call us at 1-800-920-1580. Get at me, get at me, get at me. So let's talk appreciation. And before we jump in, I'm going to give you some stats for all you numbers people. Uh, When it comes to appreciation in the workplace, research says that people who are appreciated regularly are five times more engaged and productive. Research has also told us that in an average workplace, the ratio of positive to negative feedback is one to 10. Not real good, but guess what happens at the home? It gets worse. Based on research, the average positive to negative feedback with our children is 1 to 14. And we wonder why our kids are negative and defensive all the time. Research experts tell us that in a good, healthy, long-term relationship, we need at least a ratio of 5 to 1 positive to negative feedback on a daily basis. How are you measuring up on that in your relationship? Probably not very good, but this video is not to condemn you. Wow. Five to one. Wow. Are you are you complaining more than you are affirming? 1-800-920-1580. I want to talk to the world tonight. Gosh. Does the Bible or any other holy book for that matter teach us to be grateful for what we didn't get? <laughs> oh, Lord. Do I need to read? Does the Bible or any other holy book for that matter teach us to be grateful for what we didn't get? Because most of us, our mindset is focused on getting. Getting in life, winning, winning, winning. Winning, getting, winning, achieving, uh, uh, accumulating, all of that, right? Winning and getting. That is the standard by which we measure a good relationship for most folk, right? What do attachment styles have to say about it? Attachment styles developed in early childhood can impact one's ability and willingness to accept appreciation from a partner. Those with anxious attachment styles may struggle to accept appreciation due to deep-seated insecurities. While those with avoidant attachment styles may downplay or dismiss expressions of appreciation. Developing a secure attachment style, though, or through open communication and emotional support can foster a healthier acceptance of appreciation. This is very deep. 
Does the Bible or any other holy book for that matter teach us to be grateful for what we didn't get? Are you grateful for the gift you got versus the gift you wanted? See, sometimes we get into a relationship and God gives us the gift he wants to give us, not the gift that we are that we are in anticipation of receiving. Oh, I want this kind of person. I want that kind of person. And I want this kind of outcome. But sometimes God gives you a different kind of outcome. Go back to the early setup of the show when we talked about fine tuned, right? The fine tuned universe that we live in. Right. God is in control. We can say it on Sunday, but do you say it when you've been betrayed? Do you say it when you've been hurt? Do you say it when you hurt others? Do you say it when you seek revenge on others? Talk to me now. I'm talking about appreciation, right? Are you thankful for what you didn't get? Whew. Reggie, Austin, Texas, this about to be good. You no, already you? know. Hey, I had to set no, it up why? for you, Reggie, because I knew why you had to say <laughs> I'm sorry. No, why you have to set it up, man? Like, okay. As far as being thankful for what you didn't get, um, that's wrapped up in mercy and that's wrapped up in grace. Mm. Um, A lot of us don't you know, have you, that. I mean, and but that goes back to the first clip that you played from Hawking. Mm. He was talking about consciousness. Consciousness is being aware of what's around you. Right. And so if you're not aware of what's around you, you're really not aware of all the stuff that had to go right for you to get where you are. Even, even though you, it, it appears like you're behind where you think you should be. Mm, keep going. Keep so going. I can't, I can't compare where I am where, to where you are. Cause I don't know what you went through to get to where you are. Mm. Like that's just, that's just real. And when we start to believe things, we believe through a filter of like our perceived success. So I don't even give myself the freedom to to think what I want to think. I have to filter my thoughts through this this stream of what I should be filtering. Mm. You know what I'm saying? What I should be thinking. And I think if you give us if you give yourself the freedom to think and feel whatever you want to feel, whatever it is, good or bad or whatever, just feel whatever you feel totally. And that that puts you in a different realm to to be thankful because you're not hiding certain things from yourself. Mm -hmm. It's like God, God you, you can't um, give God your filtered prayer and think God Ooh. won't see all that you are. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? You can't if, if, get, if wait, somebody, hold on. You can't ahead. just run past that. You can't give God your filtered prayer and think that God don't see what's going on. Who come, you are. Come on. Absolutely. Like, you can't fool you can't fool yourself and you can't fool God either. I mean, this is real. Mm. So if you're in a relationship with somebody and you go through some heartbreaking stuff, you can't say, well, um, man, I, I went through that and it's going to work out for my good immediately. Mm. Like who does that? Mm. You give yourself the, the freedom to feel the pain that you just went through. Cause that was real. But see you're a reverend. So I got to ask this. Is there a spiritual yeah. benefit that comes from betrayal that you can be appreciative of. Yeah, but you can only see that that benefit oftentimes after it's over. 
Mm. In the middle of it, you can't see it. Mm. And so don't beat yourself up because you can't see it in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that that goes to, like, I mean, the Psalms. Like, David wrote all these Psalms after his battle, like, after the, the betrayal, after the heartbreak, after everything. He, he, he writes these, these Psalms, these, like, sayings, these wisdom sayings, after all that stuff is done. But wait. He didn't write that in the middle. But wait. Isn't it our job in this generation to do it differently? Aren't we supposed to evolve spiritually? Maybe we're not supposed to write it after the fact. Maybe we're supposed to write it while we're in it. Hold tight when we come forward. More from Austin, Texas and my brother Reggie. Hello, I'm Dr. Crystal. April is Couples Appreciation Month. So this month's video series will focus on ways in which our mental health can impact our relationships. Feeling unappreciated can affect not only your emotions, but also how you think and act, which may impact your mental health. If others appear to ignore what you do for them, it can feel terrible. It might make you question if the things you do for others are worth your time and effort, which may eventually lead to you isolating yourself from them. Your feelings can have a profound effect on the choices you make and the way you behave. So here are three things you can do if you're feeling unappreciated in your relationships. Number one, communicate. When you feel that no one cares about who you are or what you've done for them, you can often solve the problem completely by communicating your feelings to them. Without accusing them of anything, express your emotions clearly. Talk about the times when you have felt unappreciated. Number two, show appreciation. If you want to be appreciated, make sure you're showing your own appreciation in the relationship. Even if you have to search hard for something to appreciate in someone, your expressions of gratitude and respect can go a long way. Number three, realize appreciation is shown in different ways. Too often we feel unappreciated because someone doesn't say the words. The person you've done things for may not be as verbal as you are. They may show their appreciation in other ways, perhaps with a physical gesture or by giving you a small gift. You may still need to hear those words occasionally, however. If so, get back to basic communication, telling them what you need and how they can supply it if they choose. If you or your significant other are not connecting like you used to, are you willing to accept the challenge to communicate with each other to determine if one or both of you may feel unappreciated? If you feel ready to accept the challenge, but would like to start by journaling your Man, the V-O-R up in here. Hey, I'm really trying to screw, like, like drill down on this thing. Being appreciative for what you didn't get. Being appreciative for disappoint, right? When you're disappointed by life, when you're dissatisfied, how do you find appreciation in that? Many of us are always, most of us are just trying to move away from the negative moment or the negative feeling. Many of us don't know how to just sit in it and say, this too is a part of life. This too is a part of the journey. And in this, this feeling, this situation, I might be uncomfortable But there is something here to teach me. And if there's something here for me to glean, for me to learn from, then it must be valuable. And if it is valuable, I should appreciate it because that is what the etymology of the word appreciation means. It means to accrue in value. And if God is in control of everything, 
You can't say God is not in control of everything if you say God is infinite. Then, you know, most people will jump in and say, well, what about free will? If anything exists outside of the purview of God's power, that logically limits God. If you say God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-seeing, the creator of everything, omnipotent, all-knowing, all-everything. If God is all-everything, i.e. infinite, then how can there be a special little space that exists outside of that called free will? They say, well, if it's God, God can do it. Okay, logically, let's make it make sense. That's like asking the question, can God create a rock so heavy that he couldn't lift it? It's a conundrum, right? Can God create a rock so heavy that even he can't lift it? Wait a minute. If you say God can and he's unable to lift a rock, that's a limitation on God. If you say God can't create the rock, there's another limitation on God. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, we got free will. God is in control of that, too. Remember that the divine order is intelligent and fundamentally good. Life is not a series of random, meaningless episodes, but an ordered, elegant whole that follows ultimately comprehensible laws. This is Epictetus who wrote this. Very powerful thing here. So many people think it just happens randomly. I'm sorry. Here we go. Reggie from Austin, Texas, get in here. Man, it's a lot to think about. Um, yeah, come on, yeah, Reggie. <laughs> absolutely. Um, okay, I think we have to give ourselves time uh, to appreciate. Um, when you talked about, you know, property appreciating in value, it appreciates over time. Mm-hmm. And um, you have to give yourself some time. Well, giving yourself time is really equal to giving yourself some grace. Mm. All right. Appreciate, you may not appreciate a hundred things about your partner every day. Try appreciating one thing and let that one thing grow into a few things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as far as consciousness, that's being aware or, or woke to all the things that are around you. Mm-hmm. Bro, it's, it's billions of things that are going on at the same time. And you have to give yourself some freedom to see at least a few of them. Um, I don't think God wants us to be absolutely totally perfect but being perfected and being perfect is, is are two different things mm. you know what i'm saying perfected is like yes. i'm I'm, a, I'm, aware, I'm aware of of who i am even though i haven't achieved all of it at least i'm aware of of, of who i can be mm-hmm. and have and giving you something to work towards mm-hmm. like you don't have it all together and you don't have to have it all together all you have to be is just aware of the possibility to get it together mm-hmm. and that's your relationship you, you can you can get that together Possibly. But giving giving yourself some freedom to be the best person you know how to be. I mean, that's just fair to you. And I think it's it's totally unfair um to say that you have to, to, to be perfect or, or that you have to um look at all the wonderful things about your partner every day and acknowledge every everything every day. Like you really don't have to do that. I think you just have to be appreciative and that's just the most simple way of, of, of being. You know what I'm saying? We make it so difficult, man. Mm. Um, 
And I think nobody wants to go through the terrible times. Like who wants to go through terrible times and say, oh, that made me a better person? We're, we are people that, 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 that look for relative ease. And the only way sometimes you can look back at your life and say it was great is after the thing is done. Give but, yourself some time to look back. But again, isn't that part of the problem? Isn't looking back part of the problem? Your humanity is part of the problem? Yes. I think, nah, bro. You know, what I'm saying is I think there has to be a leveling up. We level up in technology. We have mm-hmm. to level up in spirituality. It can't, level, always, okay. it can't always be, ooh, I went through that. Let me, oh, wow, let me pick up the pieces and let me grab the little lessons by looking back. Sometimes you have to do something revolutionary, spiritually trailblazing in order to set a tone in your moment in or in your life in the moment. And I think that's the leveling up. I think what you're talking about is an old paradigm. Let me give you an example. Uh, the, the example you used was the Psalms. David had to go through it in order to write the Psalms, agreed. But guess what? He looked back, he reflected, great. But what if we take from his lesson and we elevate to a level of consciousness to where we understand, watch this, there is value in the hardship. There is, mm-hmm. There are gifts in the hardship. There's spiritual maturity in the hardship, I believe, I posit this and I'll throw it back to you. I believe for many of us, we have remained spiritual children because of what you described before I began talking. And that is most of us avoid that which is difficult, that which hurts, that which is uncomfortable. But that is an intrinsic part of who we are, life on earth, life on this plane of dimension, you're going to have to go through something. So why not look forward to going through it? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, no doubt. I hear you. And um, the person I am today, I can go through more things now and think like that on the front end. Mm -hmm. But I I only did that because I built up a resistance over time. Right. I I can, I mean, I, I absolutely hear what you're saying. Um, I can do that. Now, if the if the person that's dearest to me was tragically murdered in front of me, it would take some time for me to get to that. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And like the the worst thing that you ever experience in your life, it would get it would take some time to get to that. Mm-hmm. But I definitely see what you're saying, and I guess that's the that's the the dance that we dance in faith. Right. You get better as time goes on. Right. But the theoretical physicist, the spiritualist, the shaman, the guru, they all say time is an illusion. Um, yeah, and, it can and, be. And the only time yeah, that, is, that. And the only time that has ever existed is now. This is why so many of us live for so long in pain. If the only time that exists is now, then why don't we do the best we can now to, to struggle with it now. That's what I just said, but, man. <laughs> but, but hold on, yo. But hold on, hold on, hold on. But if we aren't the best we can be today, then we shouldn't down ourselves for all of eternity. I'm be not, the best you can be today. But I'm not saying down yourself. That's I don't know where you're getting that piece from. 
I'm not saying beat yourself up about it. I'm saying that is the quantum leap we need to take. There has to be a spiritual quantum leap. I never said beat yourself up about it, Reggie. I never said that. But the spiritual quantum leap that is needed. Can you watch what I'm about to tell you? Can you imagine having that spiritual quantum leap to where you can accept any hardship in the moment without judgment, bro? Right. Can you imagine doing away with reflection? Hmm. (laughs) Do you hear me? Yeah, yeah. The most important part of what you said is without judgment. I get that. No. I get that. No. For me, that's it. The death of reflection. That's what I'll, listen, that's that's what yeah, David yeah. had to do, right? He reflected and he said, "Here's the Psalms." Imagine right. if he could have created the Psalms in the moment. Yeah. I I I hear you. Quantum Absolutely. leap, man. We got to leap spiritually. We cannot listen. How old are the Psalms? Yeah, thousands of years old. Thousands of years old. We are still mm-hmm. acting in, in in an old paradigm. We have to spiritually, man. There is no time. There is no time spiritually, brother. We have to find a way to quantum leap. I'm telling you, our relationships will benefit from it, brother. You know, you pulled the best out of me, man. I I, I love <laughs> Reggie, man. Reggie from Austin, Texas. Reggie, guess what you just did, brother? I, t- I tried to bring Austin in the building. You bro. didn't try, man. You did it, man. You want to bring your city in the building? All you got to do is call us. 1-800-920-1580. We on fire tonight. Are you the type of person who feels you give too much in your relationships? It doesn't just have to be romantic relationships. It could be with friends, family. You feel that you're a giver. And ultimately that gets taken advantage of. And maybe in the process, your needs don't get met. You give so much and then you somehow forget yourself in the process and you can end up feeling extremely resentful. It comes out in passive aggressive ways or maybe one day you even explode, right? And then the person in front of you says, whoa, like who, who is this? I don't know this person because we haven't been giving them a true impression of what our needs are along the way. So now they don't recognize us. Now, why do we do this? Whenever I talk to women about this, there's often the logic that, well, it's because I'm a giver. It's because I'm a nurturer by nature. So I like doing those things for people. I like showing up for people. It's just who I am. I'm a very loving person. I don't want to cause pain to those people. I love those people. And anyway, I can handle it. You know, I, I, I'm a giving person and yes, yeah, sometimes they do things that upset me, but I can live with it. It's okay. But of course they can't because it's like this slow drip torture where eventually you suffer so much in your resentment that that's when that extreme reaction comes about. Here's what's interesting. So resentment, it's an, accumul- uh, an, an accumulation of time and, uh, and you not getting what you want. So as he's articulating here, you're not really a giver if you want something back, right? So you're giving because you want to receive what you're giving. I keep telling you guys, reciprocity is really spiritual. And if it's not spiritual, it becomes transactional. Therefore, it is a loan. 
I am loaning you my nurturing. I am loaning you my empathy. This is the society in which we live. If you are actually a giver, you don't really want anything back because that is your nature. If we look at a lion, a lion is a lion. You, you put some type of ibex or some type of gazelle in front of a lion, a lion going to be lioning. That's it. A lion is not going to be humaning. A lion is going to be like, hey, <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, I'm a giver. Then give. I'm a nurturer. Then nurture. Not I'm doing this because I want it back. That's your wound talking. So again, I don't get it back over time. Resentment accrues. Time. This is me talking to Reggie. I'm saying, Reggie. Yes, the great David, Dawid, Dawood, the prophet, wrote the Psalms based on reflection. Can you imagine if we were to take a spiritual quantum leap to where we no longer needed to reflect on what hurt us? Can you imagine gaining an insight, much like Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink, outlines? In In Malcolm Gladwell's book, he says, we have the ability to perceive the truth or falsehood in a thing instantly, in that moment. That's a quantum leap in consciousness. We live in a technologically advanced society, yet a spiritually impoverished one. There's a book you should read that the great Krishnamurti and the great physicist who was considered Einstein's heir apparent, David Baum. David Baum wrote a book called Wholeness and the Implicate Order, where he explained the holographic universe before the holographic universe was a thing. He and the great Krishnamurti sat down and had a very weighty conversation. The name of the book is called The Ending of Time. (laughs) Do do, Do you see? Resentment over time, disappointment, dissatisfaction over time, unhealed wounds over time. It prevents us from truly appreciating. We can't appreciate the growth in our partner if they've changed, if they've evolved right in front of us, because all we can see is what happened in the past. We talked about uh, Babette Rothschild's book, talking about trauma and how it transports us back to that time. Listen to this quote from this book, The End, The Ending of Time. Jay Krishnamurti sits down with David Baum. There is an insistence that mankind can change, can change fundamentally. But this requires going from one's narrow and particular interests towards the general and ultimately moving deeper into that purity of compassion, love and intelligence that originates beyond thought, time or even emptiness. They went so deep into this. 
And the reason why he was able to sit down with a theoretical physicist, because he's uh, David Baum is used to using fourth dimensional mathematics. This is a type of mathematics that explains our reality that can't be brought into words. The depth of it. You think you're appreciating somebody when you're getting what you want. Can you appreciate them when they give you something, give you a gift that hurts? Huh? Can you appreciate your partner in the moment when they give you a gift that hurts? When they give you a gift that you disapprove of? If you were focused on the lesson, if you were focused on your internal work, and how what hasn't been done called in this person, this opportunity to be, listen, the opportunity to be hurt. Ooh, yes, it's an opportunity to grow up. Rumi, the, the wound is where the light enters. Light is consciousness. Buddha, it means enlightened one. Christ, the morning star. Do you understand? The light has to find the wound in order to elevate your consciousness. But nobody wants to be wounded. <laughs> huh? Growing up spiritually hurts as good as sex. Somebody meme it. I'm sorry. Let's get these callers up in here. We, we can't get them right now. We got to move forward. But let me just say, we got our people in the building. I'm in here going crazy right now. We got South Central Los Angeles in the building. We got Dallas, Texas in the building. And we got the SIP in the building. When I come forward, I'm taking all these callers. Ladies. Okay, so this primarily goes most for, well, it can really apply to different attachment styles in different ways. Like anxious will feel this way because they're often denying themselves of their needs, not speaking up about what they want in case they get abandoned. Fearful avoidance are often overgiving and under receiving because they feel like they're not worthy or not deserving, or they're afraid of feeling like a burden or weak for relying on other people. Dismissive avoidance are absolutely afraid of um, feeling weak for relying on other people. And they often will feel criticized because they're not using their like words to explain where they're coming from, what's going on. They'll try a little bit, but they feel defeated, you know, using like emotional literacy quite quickly. And they don't have a lot of good modeling there. So when they feel criticized, they tend to really feel undervalued and withdraw. So it can really apply to different people, different attachment styles in different ways. Um, but I wanted to share like these, these underlying reasons and how you can start changing some of these things. So number one, you may be in a position where you are feeling like, okay, I am um, not getting a need met. And then you give meaning to that need not being met. So you go, okay, I am not getting this need met. And it's because the person doesn't care about me. It's because if they cared about me more or they valued me more, they would make an effort to meet the need. When usually if you see the needs through, or if you express the needs more clearly, the needs would be met. And it's usually going in that direction. If you want to do a deep dive with scripts, with really specific examples in depth, the advanced needs course inside the personal development school takes you through that step-by-step -step in detail from identifying to expressing, to seeing your needs through to receiving all those different things. 
Number two, um, then you get into that storytelling part. So you say, it's, oh, I, I don't, I'm not cared about. I'm undervalued. It's because they think something's wrong with me would be the dismissive avoidant version. It's because they think I'm, you know, not cared for, not important to them would be the FA version. It's because they um, are going to abandon me. Um, and I'm, I'm not valued and, and they're going to leave would be the anxious preoccupied version. All the meaning we give to things is always based on our unresolved past traumas and emotional history. And yes, relationships and people in our life can exacerbate those things. But out of all of the thousands upon thousands of pieces of meaning you could give to a situation, we give those wounds that are really close to home for us because they are a part of our internal programming at a subconscious level being activated. If you want to reprogram those wounds literally for good. Are, are you listening? This is why you can't show appreciation. You can't show it. You can't give it. It's transactional. Because typically everything is coming through this childhood wound. Whatever the wound may be. John Bowlby's attachment styles. That's what she's breaking down. Attachment wounds. You can't really be appreciative or give it. Appreciation is a down payment for something. Joe Dispenza says it this way. Your thoughts are incredibly powerful. Choose yours wisely. To be happy with yourself in the present moment while maintaining a dream of your future is a grand recipe for uh, manifestation. Now, There's, there's three aspects of time, past, present, future. Two of them don't exist. The past no longer exists. The future hasn't come into being. You spend your entire life in the now. Eckhart Tolle talked about it in his book, The Power of Now. Do you see what I'm saying? The spiritual quantum leap that is necessary, we have to be able to usher in the death of reflection. And modern psychology is just getting to mindfulness. Your iPhone is more advanced than your spirit right now. I'm sorry. You haven't cultivated the ability to understand that you're supposed to go through hell in order to be purified by the fire. Ooh. <laughs> oh, God. Joe Dispenza says it another way. You can't think greater than you feel. Our feelings have become the means of thinking. By the, by the very definition of emotions, you're thinking in the past. I know y'all not ready for this. <laughs> Are y'all listening to this? I really want you guys to hear me, man. Like, we need a spiritual quantum leap. We need one. We can no longer say, well... You know, I I went through that and, you know, I was able to look back and see some things. And, you know, that's the old way. We've been doing it for millennia. Imagine if you could have a moment to be able to appreciate something 
a flower, a sunset, without the desire to want to come back and see it again. Imagine if you could appreciate a loved one, a smile, a gesture, right? Without saying, this is mine. It belongs to me. Imagine if you were able to appreciate without the filter of everything you've been through. You know what? Everything I've been through made me, it made me what I am, you know? You know, it makes this moment even more precious. Are y'all? <laughs> we don't know how to appreciate. Appreciation is a payoff, not an experience. Uh-oh. <laughs> right? We think it's a reward. It's something we're owed. To be appreciated and to appreciate. It's something we're owed. You know how much I've done for you? You see how? Do you see? Oh, 1-800-9-2015. We got so many callers on the line. I got to get them in here. I'm sorry. Woo! True monger, Dallas, Texas. Get in here. Yes, sir. Yeah, I know you're sick, brother, so I ain't going to hold you long. All right. Uh, as far as the negative experiences, I think there is a way to appreciate them. Um, you appreciate them first by acknowledging that you survived them. Mm-hmm. You can appreciate them in that aspect. And then once you've done that, learn to move forward from it. Mm-hmm. Don't, whether, whatever happened, good or bad or ugly. Appreciate the lesson you got from it. Mm-hmm. Keep moving forward. And if the situation happens again in the present, um, I don't think it's necessarily bad to reflect on mm-hmm. certain things. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it gets bad when you do it too much, when you abuse that. Because so you say, always go back to I just <clears throat> want to be clear. Did I say it was bad? I just want to be clear. I know I didn't say it was no, bad. No, I don't think okay. you did, oh. but I think I think you were talking about uh putting a death to reflection. Mm-hmm. I think it has its place. Mm-hmm. I just think people do it too much. Rumination. You know, as a, yeah. yeah, they do it use it as a scapegoat as to what they do going forward. Mm. Um, I think you can look back on certain situations, how you dealt with them, okay, maybe that wasn't the best way to deal with it. Mm. And realize that you you more than likely have grown since that experience mm-hmm. and try to handle it a bit more maturely, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, don't act like anybody owes you anything because at the end of the day, they don't. Mm. And I'm not going to put stock in it. You're going to show me who you are regardless. Mm-hmm. It's not going to stop me from being who I am. I love it. If bro. I do something, it's because I wanted to do it. Because mm-hmm. it was genuine. Whether you appreciate it or not, that's on you. Love it, brother. Um, Listen, man, you yeah. sick. I hear it in your voice. <laughs> man, get some rest. I ain't even going to ask you what you did because I know what you did. You brought Dallas, Texas in the building. If you want to bring your city in the building, all you got to do is call me at 1-800-920-1580. When we come forward, we go into the SIP. You already know what it is. Hi, everyone. It's Dr. Romney. Welcome back to this channel on all things related to narcissism. 
Today we're going to take on the very interesting topic of gratitude in narcissists. Not something they're very good at. I'm hoping that this video gives you some clarity on this issue as with all videos on this channel. And keep in mind, a lot of this content is really crowdsourced. It's the ideas that come from you and the suggestions that come from you. I put those to research, take a look at them, and we turn those into videos. So again, your contribution is invaluable here. So let's talk about this issue. Before we do, I'm always going to invite you to subscribe to this channel. Regular content coming out. Hit that bell for the notification and like it if you do. So why is gratitude so difficult for narcissists? Thank you. For most of us, that's all we need to hear. Thank you. Those two little words pack so much power. A recognition that we did something a little bit of gratitude and it's often enough to support us and encourage us to keep doing nice things. Many of us say thank you without even thinking about it but many times we really do think about our thank yous. Gratitude can be expressed in a wide range of ways. The simple expression thank you, gracias, merci, dankeschön, arigato, you know what? Do me a favor, send me you thank you in your language on the, in the comments because I want to see how many parts of the world have been impacted by narcissists. I would actually love that. Just write it down in those comments. Thank you in your language. Mm. It can also, the other ways we can... Heavy stuff. You know, we got to play a little Dr. Romney. Love her work. The voice of reason has been on complete fire tonight. Are you appreciative for the negative experiences you've had in intimate relationships? Very fire stuff. One of my favorites is in the building. One of my favorites. Everybody is my favorite, but this is one of my favorites. Nikki from the Sip, get in here. What's up, fam? Brother Zoe, you, you coming out shooting again? We three days in and you just really? I, I got okay. to. I got to do it. Come on. I ain't got a I, lot of time here on earth. I got to do it. This, man, I, I think what you're, why I said you were flying high, I think the concept that you're talking about with this quantum leap is re, it's going to require us to be big enough. Like when I say big, I mean expand enough to be able to accept the concept behind um not just receiving, but how it is that we are being in this state of peace that most people never get to. Remembering that peace is freedom from disturbance. And I don't think most people within themselves get on a regular basis in a place where they're free of disturbance. Mm -hmm. But the scripture says, it was good that I was afflicted, mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that I may learn your statutes. Okay, I submit food for thought. What if we presented in a state that is, it is good that I am afflicted, not in the sense that we are anticipating pain, mm -hmm. but that we could get big enough mm -hmm. to accept this is that quantum leap I think you're talking about. Come on! <laughs> that to, we could be big enough in our being, this is why peace is important internally, mm -hmm. so that you can expand enough to accept whatever the it is that's negative, and then 
you can internally use that as food for good in you, regardless of whatever the it is. Yes. Wait, wait, Nikki, do you know what you just put me in the mind of? What if what if confusion you're in a relationship, you're confused, you don't know what's going on. What if confusion is perceived Mm -hmm. as Christmas Eve? Do you know how much excitement is going on on Christmas Eve? Do you you see? Watch this. Dr. Joe Dispenza says it this way. When you're confused, you're always or you're always about ready to learn something new. Remember that. What if confusion precedes this gift of learning something new like Christmas Eve precedes Christmas Day? Talk to me. Because acknowledging that the Lord uses affliction in our lives to bring us back to him, to to keep us from straying away from God or that peace place or, or source, so that he can teach us the statutes or the ways of the intimate relationship person. Mm. But you got to get big enough, expand enough in your spirit place to be able to carry that all the time. And that's not an easy place to get. Yeah, that's a quantum leap. That ain't no joke, brother. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because you got to understand that you got to get in a a peace enough place internally doing that that work thing we talk about. This goes back to when we talked about the burn of the phoenix and we don't value the burn. Mm -hmm. I'm not one that looks back. I don't journal because I don't. I, I believe in my spiritual place walk with Christ. Mm-hmm. He will correct me. I don't have to go back and review it. You know how I know? Because what's supposed to happen did Ooh. every time. And if I don't learn the less lesson, I got to go back to the same grade. And he's going to do that. <laughs> Keep going. He don't need my help. I can't. I, now, I'm not saying journaling is bad for those that do it. I'm just saying that that does not help me. Because where I'm getting my help in the spiritual place is so that I can get enough peace inside so that I can get big enough to accept whatever the it is that I'm getting from whoever the intimate person is I am in ship with Mm. so that I don't have to necessarily internalize it all the time as a bad thing Mm -hmm. so that if it is an affliction, it's like negative. I don't like the response. It was not really what I was anticipating. I can then regurgitate that back out to the person who gave it to me without killing them at the same time. <laughs> That's right. That's right, Nikki. I love That's you. That's accepting the whole person. That thing you keep trying to get us to learn how to do. Wow. But you, that takes a lot of work, man. You got to stay on that spiritual walk for real to get that beat. That's right. Nikki, guess what you just did? I brought the sip in. I love you. I love you, Nikki. The sip is in the building. We got one more caller, but JW, I'm sorry. You got to keep it real short, like short, short, short. JW, get in here. Yes, sir, my brother. I will keep it real short, man. I was trying to do something else different, but anyway, here we go. The bottom line is when you're a child or an infant, the Bible says you drink milk on the armor of God. And that should be the paradigm shift, mind shift, or attitude change. 
that you was referring to, and it's physics and scientists are referring to as well, because it is something that is a growth process, but like you say, in real time or as things are taking place, uh, and that spontaneous fraction of a second, we should grow because it has been many years, and then you have to be in spirit for that. Mm-hmm. And it takes a process to get to that point to where you get out of the, the worldly uh, aspect of things or, you know, that, that man mentality, which is an outside influence, and go internal, as you always speak on, and deal with that real person, which is that spiritual man inside. And I'm, I'm going to leave it with my little personal, uh, I won't call it mine. Well, not, you know what, we, hey, hey, J-Dub, we got to go. It's only two, like 10 seconds left, but I appreciate you, brother. Call in tomorrow. I love you, my friends. Listen, we start the conversation. You end it. Uh, that's all I want to do. I'm not here to be right. I don't care about being right, but I want to start the conversation. Up next to keep the fire lit, you already know your friend, my friend, your homegirl, my homegirl, Jill Monroe, RSVP with Jill Monroe. I'll see you tomorrow with another slapper. Deuces.